Good evening and welcome to Talk of the Neighborhoods. I'm Joe Heisler, your host, coming to you from the BNN Live Studios in Eggleston Square. Also being simulcast tonight on WBCA Radio 102.9 FM. Tonight on Talk of the Neighborhoods, well, a two-part show. All politics, as is our usual want. And the first half tonight, uh, well, we're going to catch up with uh, at-large Boston City Councilor Karen Murphy on her efforts on the council. And uh, she's uh, pointing out uh, uh, incidents of school violence. And we'll talk about uh, what might be done about that. Then on the second half, we'll shift gears and we'll do a little reflection on the mayor's State of the City speech with uh, an old friend, uh, political analyst Joyce Carabo will be joining me. All that and more tonight on Talk of the Neighborhoods. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. We're back here on Talk in the Neighborhoods. I'm Joe Heisler, your host tonight, a two-part show. And in uh, this first half, uh, joining me is uh, Boston, at-large Boston City Councilor Aaron Murphy from uh, Dorchester. Uh, for 22 years, a uh, teacher in the Boston Public Schools. And there's been some uh, disturbing incidents of late yes. of uh, uh, violence in, in some of the schools, Boston Tech, and uh, also recently Latin Academy. Uh, and uh, here to talk about it with me, uh, who's uh, following these issues closely. Is this an uptick or a, a surge or what? What's sure, I'm, I was wondering the same thing. And yeah. one of the reasons why on the council asking for the data and last year had a council hearing on trying to get the data from the school departments mm -hmm. to compare. And what I did learn, I mean, COVID schools were shut down. So many students yeah. um, for almost a year and a half, kids were homeschooled learning from home. So I compared it from the last full year in 2019, okay. and we had an 80% increase in reported bullying, and we had a large increase from 430 incidents of sexual misconduct assaults to 744. Wow. So definitely an increase in reporting. One of the concerns that many parents and teachers, administrators who work in the system who are willing to talk about it say that reporting is one of the concerns, that they're often discouraged from reporting incidents. So 
that's something we also have to address. So even if you had been able to get the data, it might have been some of it, it might, might have been <laughs> suspect. Uh, yeah, and that came out of the DESI report. If you remember last year okay. in the spring, we were going through the audit that DESI, you know, the state right. came out and we almost went into receivership, right. but we still signed an MOU and one of those is around making sure that communication and reporting is yeah. you know, being happening. Well, uh, now, and and that's one thing. And don't get me—I don't mean to downplay, uh, you know, bullying or uh, sexual uh, assault or, or uh, you know, verbalizing some of that stuff. But uh, some of these incidents lately—the uh, one at Boston Tech, yeah, uh, like disturbing—it was a uh, three three kids were stabbed, if sure. I understand that correctly. Yep. And uh, that's yeah. not the first time that happened. No, yeah. it well, wasn't. I mean, what, what, what do you think is driving sure. this? Uh, I mean, you worked in the system. I did for gonna, over I mean, two I'm, decades. I'm sure you saw some stuff, some unbelievable stuff. I did, stuff but, there. you know, I always taught the younger grades, so I have uh, to say, um, didn't always see what I'm hearing and seeing now, but mm -hmm. not naive. We're a big urban school district, mm -hmm. so of course there's going to be, you know, some incidents of violence, but how will we battling it, how will we addressing it is what I really want to get to the root of. Mental health supports absolutely needed. We know coming out of COVID, so many of our kids, I mean, everyone, seniors, right. adults are struggling coming out of that yeah. isolation. Yeah. And we are investing in mental health supports and social workers in the school. One of the things I'm really advocating strong for is um, more investment in athletics, arts, before and after school program. We really have to have supports for our students. Mm -hmm. But the previous superintendent, Brenda Casilius, really read that Police Reform Act in a way that most cities and towns didn't and really blocked the Boston police out of the school system mm -hmm. and changed the role of our school police offices. We now call them school resource offices. Right. Are they me, actual police no, officers? No, they lost a lot of their yeah. um, ability, right, to step in. So they, you know, not just lost their uniforms, but yeah. lost a lot of their other abilities. I know there's pushback from some people that say, you know, police or metal detectors in school is going to be the school to prison pipeline. I don't agree with that yeah. at all. I think, um, you know, every student, every teacher deserves a safe school environment. And the reality is that our children are, and, men, and we had a first grader bring a six-year-old, bring a loaded gun to school. I say, uh, yeah, right. when you hear something like that, yeah. I mean, it makes you think. Right, so there has to be a balance. Um, um, Council of Flaherty and I sponsored a hearing that mm -hmm. we're holding next week, mm -hmm. and that's to really bring this Michael Cox, the police commissioner, the superintendent, mm -hmm. And um, this time I invited Jerry Robinson from the school committee to come and talk to us about what is the relationship going forward. Because we heard many times that police had to file 51 A's against principals. When an incident was happening, they were being locked out of the building. So in no way would a police officer ever be assigned to a school. There's this idea mm. that we want police officers assigned to buildings. Yeah. The school resource offices need some of their responsibilities back, but it's the relationship and communication with the police department. If someone needs to call 911 because there's been a knife, you've probably seen some of the videos that go around a sure. lot now, the, yeah. the fights in the hallway that yeah. turn. Awesome. I get lots of text messages I mean, and know, videos. And, and you don't know if that's just because social media is so prevalent now yeah. and everybody got a phone or yeah, whatever, or if yeah. it's something new. Oh, well. 
how was it? Were police assigned to schools and? No, what? so we have community policing yeah. and our community policing is a national model, right? Towns and cities right. across the country look to our model of community policing. Can we do better? Of course. But there were always community police in every neighborhood that they weren't assigned to a school, but they were in if it was in that district and there was an incident or there was a need for the community police officer to, you know, to be called to the mm -hmm. school. They were part of the communication. The beginning of the school year, if you remember the gunshot, the that was fired at Burke High. Yes, I do, yes. So the story is that he went in the back door, so didn't go in the front door, and then went out the front door, so he had the loaded gun in the school, but it was after the fact, so then we had 25 cars, you know, police cars storming up Blue Hill Ave. Wow. And you know, so a lot of times the police say, don't call us after, like let us be part of that. Right. Well, and what's been the response of the uh, school department? The, the, you have a new mm, superintendent. Uh, this is not uh, uh, Brenda Casillas. This is uh, Mary Sh Skipper. Skipper yeah. Yes. And uh, is she more open to you know? I mean, we're going to have to see different ways to uh, yeah. kind of address this. I mean, um, I've spoken to her a couple times, and um, we addressed a letter to the mayor and then wrote another letter around safety concerns because two weeks ago at the school committee meeting, the Council of Great Schools, one of the audits requirements from DESE last year is that the mayor and the superintendent agreed that a national agency would come in and do an audit. And they reported out two weeks ago at the school committee meeting that we have a real concern around safety in our buildings. Mm -hmm. As part the, of the audit? As part of the audit, uh -huh. something that Desi and yeah. I said, something we already knew, I yeah. guess we needed to pay somebody to tell us what we already knew, but that happens a lot in government. Yeah. But one of the things was that we need to make sure that teachers can spend the time because they found that teachers when interviewed are spending more time not teaching and having to discipline our students. So we have to figure out a way to make sure that teachers are supported and that you know teachers can teach or kids yeah. aren't. Because the academic level of so many of our schools is also low. Yeah, well, and it has been for a while. So, mm -hmm. and then add in the pandemic and right. all it of that. It only makes and, it worse. Yeah, and and what's been the response? Well, and, and you mentioned the mayor. Has she been? Uh, she didn't mention uh, any of this in the uh, state of the city, but you know she, she had didn't. a lot of other things. She on did. Her, on I her think. Plate right, as what well. did she say at the end? Um, We'll talk about the schools next year. Yeah, we'll talk about the schools next year. Well, <sighs> and hopefully, um, because, you know, kind of over the years, there's always a lot of talk about the schools, but yeah. uh, not always a lot of action or no. there's mm. attempts, but not a lot of progress. And, sure. uh, and don't and get it, me wrong, I'm not suggesting it's easy. I mean, it's a very it's difficult, not. It's uh, difficult environment, learning environment. And, yeah. and a lot uh, of times, though, and I see it well, now. I saw what, it as a school what's teacher. Missing? What's right? missing here? So when I was a teacher in the classroom, mm -hmm. I could tell you what was missing from my point of view in the classroom. And mm -hmm. now that I'm a city counselor on the, you know, decision making mm -hmm. side to me, yeah. I'm really seeing that it, politics gets in the way. Yeah. That people's opinions start to, you know, shadow what. Because at the end mm -hmm. of the day, for me. It's we need to do what's best for our children. At Young Achievers, we had that student recently, and that's an elementary school, told her teacher she was afraid to walk home because she was getting messages she was going to be jumped. 
and the teacher walked her oh, home and just yards from the school she was attacked the teacher they jumped on her face kicked her she had traumatic eye mm. damage the student was attacked in front of other students when interviewed when the you know cameras all came and interviewed there were many families that said you know my young mm -hmm. fourth third grader watched this happen right so we can ignore and it, in for me, I don't want to have to only talk about yeah. the violence because there are also amazing, wonderful things. Today, I was yeah. at the Josiah Quincy School for their lion dance celebration, mm. yeah. and oh, good and fun. I stopped by the Elliott School the other day, and like great things are happening. <clears throat> but at the same time, yeah. there we have to make sure that's yeah. across the board. Well, and and you know, I don't want to dwell on it too much either, but. Why isn't there more outrage about these? I mean, yeah, yeah that's, uh, that's, that's what that's, I'm so. That's just uh, incredible. Yeah. You know, uh, so some last weekend, I was in Chinatown mm -hmm. and joined many um, mayors from surrounding cities and the district attorney and other elected mm -hmm. officials to have a vigil for the mass shootings, the AAPI yep. in yep. Chinatown. And every elected official that went up to the microphone, and I hear this time and time again when we're talking about, you know, the the poor, you know, the Memphis, Tennessee murder, and all of yeah, these other Kyrie bad Nichols, things. Yeah. Yep, that our residents deserve to be safe. Everyone has a right to feel safe. And I'm always thinking in the back of my mind, why is no one outraged when we're saying, but our students aren't safe? Mm. And the data shows it. It's not just, you know, I've been. Um, labeled or attacked saying that I'm doing, you know, this is political for me, that I somehow want my police officer friends to get, you know, have full-time <laughs> job. One, oh, I've wow. never had a family member ever in my family. I don't have any firefighters or police officers wow. in my family. Um, well, that's so, a first for a it Dorchester. It is a first for a Dorchester, I know. I'm I have No, I'm it's kidding. true. I'm kidding. I, no. When I tell, I said, you know, Despite popular belief, yeah. there are no police officers or firefighters yeah. on either side yeah. of my family. Um, I have laborers, union yeah. workers, yeah. teachers like myself. But so, you know, it's, to me, it's not A or B. It's yeah. not do we want police officers being part of the solution, metal detectors when needed. And there's new technology where we can put them in door jams or find ways that it's not making kids, if, if they do feel like it's intrusive. Because yeah. what I found out last year, which was a bit alarming after the shootings at Charlestown High, is that the metal detector was unplugged. And the same thing when um, Principal Lampron was attacked last school year. Wow. When they came into the building, they saw that the metal detector was pushed to the side. But under the last administration, it, um, school committee and the school superintendent let it be at a, great, a school level, the community decides whether or not they want the metal detector mm -hmm. in use. To me, I mm -hmm. don't think that should be well, a school-by-school school decision. Is there, uh, it always comes down to funding, doesn't it? Is there money? Sure. money. Uh, I just saw the uh, yeah. uh, the uh, superintendent just released her budget. I think it's mm. uh, $1.4 Yeah. an increase of $65 million. Is there money there to... Uh, if the decision was made to put uh, metal detectors in? Absolutely. Uh, yeah. And the money's there to make sure that we invest more than $72 per student on athletics. Yeah. And there's money there to make sure there's before and after school quality programming, you know. And there's money there for arts and everything. Mm -hmm. There's money there. We have one of the richest um, budget, you know, school department mm -hmm. budgets. And 
1.4 billion, but we also, right now, we have 1.7 billion dollars because the school department has another year to spend ESSER funding, which is the federal That's right. relief. That's right. Yep. So there is money there. We spend um, over 150 million on busing students. We're spending close to 100 million on keeping empty seats open. Yeah, uh, my guest yeah. last week was soft, talking about that. They're changing the name of it. It was called Soft Landings. Yeah. Now they have a new name in the budget, I heard. So I'm going to have to dig through that <laughs> to see what are they going to call it. But they're, you know, spend some well, money and, has to be. And if they don't, uh, do you have uh, support on the council to, you know, kind of force them to prioritize some of these items? Are you thinking along those lines at all? Sure. Um, I mean, it's early in the process, no it doubt is. about it. So. And so there's a school committee that yeah. makes the final decision, sure. as you know. Um, and But the budget season is coming. Yeah. Many times, most of the votes so far in this 13-member um, council are going 9-4. Yeah. But as, you know... It's going to be on my shoulders and my other colleague's shoulder who wrote letters to the mayor and to yeah. the superintendent to continue advocating well, for the students and seeing if others will come on board with us. And for me, I'm, what I'm really worried about is what is it going to take? Right. Is it going to take another yeah. Yeah. attack? Have you gotten a response from Mayor Wu, though? Not yet. No. Nothing, no. No. Still waiting. Well, as, as she said, she made it be next year before she publicly addresses it, although it doesn't sound like it can wait that long. No. Um, we've got just a few minutes left. How's this going? This is your first term. Uh, sure, how yeah. Are, how are you liking the uh, love it. The uh, political life? 15 uh, months yeah. in. I know you ran before, and I you did. did very well, but came up short in this last time. You were uh, elected at large, one of four at large, elected yeah, across sure. the city. And uh, what's it been like? And... Uh, um, I know uh, there's been some ups and downs on the council. And, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, sure, I said after 24 years working with kindergartners, I can handle anything. Right? <laughs> it's That's been great. yeah, it's been an honor. It's been wonderful. Yeah. Um, and at large, I love as you said, I live in Dorchester. Yeah. Councilor Baker yeah. is my councilor, um, and I love when I'm in my you know home neighborhood. But yeah. it's been great to be all around the city and meeting people and you know, really advocating for things across the city. And I'm on the um, com Committee for Public Health, mm. Homelessness and Recovery, something that I've always, uh, recovery's been something I've advocated for mm -hmm. a few years yeah. and been able to get um, opera funding last yeah. year for St. Mary's Center for Women and Children yeah, for the Gavin Fund. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I was yeah. born there when it Oh, my, yeah. my goodness. My first son was born there. Um, also, the Gavin Foundation of the Phoenix Gym. So really yeah. advocating for yeah. resources for those who are struggling with mental health and coming out of the pandemic, obviously. Wow, huge, huge, huge. issue. Yeah, uh, seniors, uh, isolation, uh, all of the this. The whole thing with the... Uh, Mass and cast, and I mean, just mm. uh, you know, just incredible. Um, a couple. I, I want to ask you about a couple of things. Sure. So, so, what will be your, what what are your priorities? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, this year, heading into an election year, yeah. you planning on running for re-election? Absolutely. Yeah, okay, yeah, I have great. to wait to pull the papers, but yes, it's already an election year. Yeah, I imagine that. It does go quick. Yeah, oh, boy, you know, yeah. and. Uh, been a wild year as well. Lots sure. of uh, things going on. Mm -hmm. But uh, uh, and, and whatever happened to that, the whole issue of uh, 
because you're talking about a lot of stuff as it related to the the schools, mm. and and of course the school committee does uh, you know approve the budget for them, and you have to either accept it or reject it in whole, if right. I recall correctly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The school uh, one. Yeah. yeah. What what about the uh, whole notion of an elected school committee? Right. Uh, is that whole idea? Uh, We're having hearings again. Yeah. The council. Um, I mean, it was a ballot question. Yeah. It overwhelmingly passed. Yeah. My belief is why it passed so overwhelmingly is it was an A or a B. It's like, do you want to keep the status mm -hmm. quo or do you want something different? And the only option for something different on the ballot question was an elected school committee. Mm -hmm. So to me, it was more of a referendum of we're not happy with, we're not satisfied yeah. with our Boston public schools, yeah. the return on investment. Many families either move out or are choosing other options. We're yeah. losing, you know, enrollment is dropping quickly. I'm open to a conversation about abolishing it completely, having a hybrid model. I mean, I, I, I get that. An, so, because I, I do I, think an elected school committee has definitely has its values, but mm -hmm. then I know running a campaign, who ends up winning, who is yeah. then representing, yeah. do yeah. they have a vested interest in the students yeah, uh, in the school? Yeah. So. I mean, I, I, you know, I, I shouldn't be dating myself, but I, I'm so old, I remember when it was uh, elected and it was just, you know, rife with, you know, patronage and, you know, yeah. it was, uh, you know, a very small cadre mm -hmm. just kind of running things. And, I do and, think uh, if, it, if the buck had to stop at the mayor's office and us on the council, yeah. I receive lots of calls yeah. and emails from concerned parents because I was a former teacher sure, and sure. people know that I can probably yeah. help them. And one of the yeah. things, you know, I pr pride myself in is trying to help families yeah. Yeah. navigate through this system. Sometimes yeah. it's a scary system for many. Um, you know, if, if it fell on our feet, right, that we couldn't just say, well, it's the school committee's fault. Right, yeah, yeah. I do think that there'd be more Yeah, pressure. if you could change one thing in the uh, uh, Boston public school system mm -hmm. to make it uh, work, better what would you what would you say let's see my hope would be that everyone was focusing on children first yeah. it becomes a slogan but do they really are they always yeah. making their decisions on what's best for the children we know that many of the recent um, studies and audits is that our bowling building our superintendent's office is bloated yeah. That we have too many people, too many chiefs, right? Yeah. Too many people running and too many chefs in the kitchen. Yeah, too right? many, right? And it's not trickling down. That money could be spent on mental health supports, resources for our staff and for our families, yeah. providing all of the things that you know the data shows. If you have, you know, art classes and cooking classes, and before school open, so parents can drop off kids and get to work and. Reading well, it supports. Makes you, makes you wonder if, uh, and you know, I think you you ask any parent or most parents at least, they would say the same thing. Yet there doesn't seem to be you know kind of a push to make to change it. You know, yeah. to uh, I'm not sure. And I often, and, don't, and, no. and don't get me wrong, it's a huge, large urban system. It is. It's a, a bureaucracy. It turns slowly. Mm. This that. Uh, you know, uh, I'm often told to like, stay in your lane, or why do you care, yeah. or you should you shouldn't care so much, or why are you calling the superintendent again? It's like uh, for me, yeah. 
that that that's what I was elected right. to do. We should be able to. And every time I get a call from a concerned parent yeah. or a student, and it ranges from where's my kid going to go to high school to the bus hasn't picked him up in three days to they're being bullied and we're concerned that they yeah. might want to kill themselves, right. right? The range of concerns oh are, are really... I can't even imagine. Right, so... Well, we've got just uh, a minute or two left. I, uh, I got to ask you about this because I remember during the whole debate, especially around redistricting, there were mm. some pretty harsh words kind of thrown around on the council. Mm. I think that's fair to say. Maybe it's an understatement even. How are you getting along? Not you, but how are the councilors getting along? Is, is, are things getting sure. better? Hmm. Um. <laughs> so th that process was um, difficult. Yeah. And anyone who followed knew that we weren't having hearings that pr should have started earlier. It only happens once every 10 years, and we only have three previous redistricting you know, history to look back on. Yeah. Because before then, we were all at large, right? right? So yep. the history of the city council. Um, and then we had a shift in who was the committee chair. Chair, right. After the, yep, so. After the allegations yep. against Ricardo. Yeah, uh, Ricardo Royo. So yeah. when he was running for Suffolk County DA, yeah, yeah. we weren't having hearings. So then we have a new committee chair, and yep. it was rushed. And for me, it felt like not everyone's voice was being heard, and it was more of a rush. And yep. off, many, including myself, felt like maps were already decided, and that it was just more of a, you know, check Didn't a box. Didn't affect you, because you're, you're citywide. I but, would tell, but like the schools, when people say, yeah. I have a hard time staying in my lane when I'm advocating <laughs> for something I care about. But when you're splitting communities like District 3, yeah. what I am in District sure. 3, you know, right through a parish or right up Adams Street. I'm tell I'm saying to people, you you know, come visit Adams Corner. Yeah, yeah. So if I'm sitting in Green Hills Bakery having a cup of coffee and I look across at the Erie Pub, you're going to be in two different districts now. You yeah. cut a business district right up the middle, yeah. and so and there were outside nonprofit um, people advocating who were right. putting forward maps, yeah. and some of my colleagues were taking those maps and then voting on them. And not every district councilor mm -hmm. was heard, and it's never been. I mean, I looked back and I talked to previous councilors like yeah. Linehan, who had done it yeah. before, and Maureen Feeney, who had been at the helm when it happened. Yeah. That and, and, and I think that's fair to say that you know, there's differences of opinion. There always has of been. Course. But it didn't result in, you know, some of the you know, kind of language being thrown around, mm -hmm. including, you know, allegations of racism and no, this sure, and that yeah. and shouting yeah. on the council but the, floor. But the, when you looked at how many precincts and neighborhoods were being torn up in District 3, there was no way for Councillor Baker to think anything else but mm -hmm. that he was being, he was under attack and his district was under attack. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it showed with the number of precincts that were yeah, being moved I, in and, and, and out. And Frank was here uh, shortly, I think it was shortly before the vote, mm -hmm. but, uh, and, and talked about it as well and, and how uh, the changes that right. it had made. Because when I tried to talk to the chair of the committee yeah. or others, I was kept like, look, let's talk about this. Like, yeah. And it was, we don't have time. Or if you watch some of the hearings, people were cut off mid-sentence and meetings just ended, working sessions. Mm -hmm. And it was, there were times when I felt like... And, like, and since then, has there been some kind of a hmm. recognition that 
you know, things should be different or changed or how, how we're handling And again, yeah. it's too late to go back and change the uh, yeah. district lines for redistricting, mm -hmm. but uh, for you'll have other issues coming up. We will, and, yeah. And, uh, for me, as an at-large counselor, yeah. I'm, I'm gonna show up and work hard and advocate and vote not on my neck based on who you know my next election but based on what i know is right mm -hmm. and i'll continue to do that i don't think it's it's going to mean that i'm always going to be voting along with all of my colleagues but as long as i know in my heart that i'm advocating yeah. and voting for the right reasons and and also representing you know my constituents because right. you know there's the issue in my a neighborhood about the hotel, Comfort Inn, yeah. turning it into a shelter. Right. Um, lots of things coming lots up. Lots of things coming and, up. And, and will you come back and, and talk I'd about that? I'd love to come back. <laughs> because I'd be honored. unfortunately, we're running out, yes. of, out of time yeah. tonight. But, no, but uh, well, you. You, your, your heart is in the right place, and uh, it's a tough job. It's not an easy job. You mm -hmm. take a lot of uh, heat on some of the stuff, and I give you mm -hmm. a lot of credit. So mm -hmm. keep Thank up you. the good work. Thank, Thank you so you. much for coming Thank in. Thank you. I appreciate and it. And joining us tonight. Oh, definitely. Uh, you're watching Talk of the Neighborhood here on the Boston Neighborhood Network. We're also uh, being simulcast on WBCA Radio 102.9 FM. Uh, we'll come back when we do. Uh, We'll talk a bit about the mayor's State of the City speech with an old friend, uh, political analyst Joyce Faribault joins us. Uh, stay tuned and uh, you can watch a little of, the, uh, of our recent reporting on the State of the City in between. Mayor Michelle Wu Friends gave her first State of the City address the at the new MGM the Music Hall on Wednesday night, reflecting on the strides her administration has made and highlighting what's to come for Boston. In so many other cities, none of this would have been possible. But Boston has never let anyone else define our possibilities. It's thanks to the people of Boston that I could stand here tonight and say, the state of our city is strong. Wu announced several new programs, including a new task force to help end youth violence in the city. Over the last decade, Boston saw the largest building boom in generations, cranes in the sky and jobs on the ground. But that growth wasn't harnessed for the benefit of all our communities. In this moment of need, we have an opportunity and an obligation to change how we plan for Boston's future. We are charting a new course for growth with people as our compass. We've analyzed every square foot of city-owned property and identified several parcels that could generate thousands of affordable housing units. We also have 150 vacant lots in our neighborhoods ready for housing. Local builders, work with us to design high-quality, affordable homes that enhance the surrounding neighborhood, and we'll give you the land for free. The inspiring speech brought standing ovations and an overwhelming sense of hope for the future. Boston is a city that will never stop reaching. Up toward the progress we know to be possible, and out to the community whose work makes it lasting. Thank you, and God bless the city and people of Boston.
do an aerospace engineer, cancer immunologist, and bat scientist all have in common? We all have cool jobs in STEM fields. Whether it's building robots or learning to code, girls everywhere are finding their passion for science, technology, engineering, and math through positive role models and mentors. So dare to dive in, get connected, and explore. You never know what your future may hold. Learn more about these and even more cool jobs at SheCanSTEM.com. I think it's just vapor with flavor. It won't hurt my kid like cigarettes, right? Vaping is safer than smoking, isn't it? There's really not even that much nicotine in them, right? My kid? My kid, my kid knows it's dangerous. Get your head out of the cloud. Today, nearly 8,000 kids will start vaping, maybe even yours. Learn about the dangers at talkaboutvaping.org. Hey, boss. You okay? Yeah, I'm good. You sure? I said I'm fine. Since I was little, it was only like me and my parents. You think you created family out of characters? Yeah, of course. Wanna take that and make it into a song? Hey, son. Hey, Bob. Come and talk to me. It's been really, really hard for me. This one's for the real ballers and shot callers, the sisterhood of women in tech. They're discovering cures, building apps, and programming the blockchain. They're CEOs, worldwide hustlers who can make it rain. They're tearing down the old boys club and seeing big gains. Because when women in tech come together, you know they make that change. It's about safe driving. All right, let's go. Anytime you're driving, have the seatbelt buckle tight, both hands on the wheel, and your phone out of sight. We're not in your hand trying to text somebody back because if you do, your car might get smacked. The moral of the story, just put your phone down. The people on the road will stay safe and sound. Put your phone down, put your phone down. People on the road will stay safe and sound. Yeah. <laughs>
Teaching Louise how to cook some lasagna. It only takes a to make a five star. Thank you. And study, please. I think I finally found a place to make my own. All right, we're back with more of Talk of the Neighborhood. Uh, tonight also being simulcast on WBCA Radio 102.9 FM. And I'm pleased to have joining me on the second half, uh, well, uh, I call it political analyst extraordinaire. She has seen... Uh, a lot of uh, politics over the years, and uh, I couldn't think of anybody better to have on tonight to talk about uh, a little uh, reflection on the uh, mayor's state of the city speech and, uh, of course, uh, all things politics in Boston. We're talking, of course, Joyce Fairbone. Nice to have you here. Nice so. to have you, Jeff. Thanks so much. Thank you. So what do you think of the speech? Uh, we just showed uh, a bit of it, and, of course, there's been a lot of, quite a little written about it, and and shown over the past week or so, but uh, well, I'm curious your take on it because uh, you know, well, some well, history being made uh, as uh, continuing to be That made. is true. Yeah. And you know, one of the things I like about it is it's like new and there's difference. Yeah. And um, I think that after coming out of a pandemic, it's kind of, you know, exhilarating to uh, hear some new and different uh, things. The the uh, the details. The devil's in the details, of course. <laughs> but That's um, yeah, case, right? so you know, it's it's pretty good. We just have to see how it how it goes. You know. Well, the venue was spectacular. It was uh, the uh, I, I don't know what they call it MGM Music Hall or something, but it was a beautiful setting and uh, uh, but neighborhoodish. Yeah. Yes. And uh, just the way it was uh, set up, I mean, they you know brought a lot in. I you know I was struck by uh, how much attention she paid, and and perhaps uh, uh, you know maybe maybe it happened before and we just didn't realize it. But uh, of course, one of the biggest political constituencies, if you're a mayor, is city employees. That's right. And, uh, That's right. She made it a point to really highlight the work of. Uh, her employees, and you know, uh, had the uh, you know heroes uh, uh, seated all around the uh, the venue, and and then recognize many of them, including sure. some of the new leadership. Uh, uh, and I think the thing that uh, uh, struck me is that uh, she made good uh, when she ran about. Uh, uh, you know, making some changes to the city's workforce, and and that she uh, she brought up that in fact uh, uh, two thirds of her hires that she brought in since she came in were people of color and you know all different uh, you know uh, neighborhoods and 
backgrounds, experiences, and she highlighted some of them, you know. Well, I think, you know, I'm going to say what uh, Tanisha Sullivan said about the uh, cabinet and the majority the being of the uh, Boston, Boston NAACP. Right. And that is, it, again, I'm going to add the devil's in the details. It's what they do. What I like most about what she's uh, doing is that she's also bringing young people into the fold. Well, she's young herself, yep. but she's bringing young uh, people into the fold. Yeah, I mean, um, that was really noticeable. That, right, yep. and, and that is, is, is good. As long as she has, you know, some folks in the mix who have, you know, experience, and she does that, too, with Michael Cox and with uh, Arthur Jemison, uh, bringing them back. I mean, they they worked in the city, bringing them back. I like the idea that she has for the BRA. Uh, everybody has talked about changing it, and yeah. the only thing that's changed is that it's a BPDA <laughs> instead of BRA. Yeah, right. Um, and, you know, everyone's talked about the need for a more planning uh, function. It really needs to be. I mean, um, you know, people have, you know, said, you know, geez, you know, going before the BRA or BPDA should not be, you know, hair raising. It should be, uh, as my husband used to say, a one-stop shop where you can go sit down. It's, it's now become very convoluted. Now, I'm not going to say anything about the former head of the BRA. He was fabulous. Some of his people, you know, kind of thought that they actually ran it. Uh, so you do need to, you know, rein some things um, in, and I yeah. like that. And she's but taking... But she seems serious oh, about this. Oh, she is. Uh, the know, challenge on rent control. That's, yeah. you know, amazing. Yeah. Um, and I think that uh, I, she's going to go through it with that one, okay? Uh, but the fact that She's put it out on the table, said she, uh, you know, is, wants to do something with it is really important because the level of homelessness, Joe, I've got to tell you, uh, I'm working with a woman who is pregnant, she's disabled, um, she has a, a few mental health issues, just taking her through the cycle of how to get emergency housing, how to get when there is none. Right. Uh, not wanting to have her first child in a shelter. And she doesn't have to worry about that because there's no place in the shelters. And then, you know, we know about mass and cast. Right. I mean, she tried, she did, you know, a good thing to start, but she has to build on that. Right. So I think that you know, she has new and different ideas, right. and, um, you know, I think that she's yeah. going to build on them. Uh, you know, the business community <clears throat> is not too happy. Right. Uh, well, you know, I think uh, the only, well, not the only, but uh, one, one criticism uh, that I've heard is uh, they don't know how realistic some of her ideas are. Of course, you never know until they... Thank you. <laughs> they I was going to say that you took the words out of my mouth. <clears throat> they either succeed or fail. Sure. Uh, but, uh, you know, she certainly, um, her proposal for uh, rent stabilization, as she calls it, rent control, which a lot of other people call it, not clear whether no. that will go. Now, some people aren't happy because they don't think it's uh, enough, you know, she, allowing for a 10% increase, you know. 
<clears throat> others want it, you know, much lower. And uh, you know, of course, uh, it takes. Uh, she will need uh, the support of the city council and the and, legislature. And then the, uh, <laughs> the big boogie man, the uh, the uh, <laughs> the legislature, which there hasn't been a lot of support for it up there no. before. And, you know, I, I want to say this because I remember, you know, working with my husband on instituting the linkage yeah. legislation at a time when, you know, <coughs> the focus Excuse was me. on downtown and all the real estate interests were saying, you're going to kill the goose that laid the golden egg. I think that, you know, she ha she's going to have to develop some of these ideas and get input from people, um, you know, to bring people together around it. But I think that we really, really need yeah. it. It's the same with the schools. I, I know um, that, you know, folks are wondering, when are we getting to the elected school committee? Right. I mean, we really almost went into receivership. Because for 30 years, there's been this like experiment, I'll call it, where everybody has tried and it's gotten bogged down yep. into politics and our kids aren't succeeding. Yep. Um, so, you know, she's got some tough issues after uh, the pandemic. Right. And again, she's going to need to listen, you know, the on the development front, you know, she's got the inclusionary um, uh, uh, development idea that finally somebody puts in place um, and she knows she has to do something about encouraging and building affordable housing because it's it's awful out here. Well I, I've got a couple of questions and and the bottom line is she needs to get she's gonna have to expend some goodwill some political capital to uh, to you know if she wants to try and get some of this stuff through the legislature she's got some friends up there that were yeah. supported her during the uh during the election but uh uh you know it's a it's a tougher nut and there's no doubt about it and uh, has she developed the kinds of uh, i don't know connections and and goodwill with uh, the people she needs to kind of push through some of these uh, uh tougher issues well, um, I believe, and you know, no one's going to put it out on the table out in the open, right. that she has a good relationship with the governor. Okay, not that the governor doesn't need the legislature right. uh, as well, but I think that after what people have gone through, they're not going to want the Washington, D.C. style, let's get to consensus by beating the hell out of each other. Mm -hmm. So folks, are, uh, there's going to have to be some give and take because I think people will not stand it. Yeah. Um, so, you know, she knows what she has to do. She's a smart cookie. And by the way, many of these things that she's championing, she championed on the city council. Okay. She really did. And so uh, I'm looking forward to, um, you know, seeing a few of the mm -hmm. things come to fruition. Right. And, and, and by and large, I'd say it's a uh, progressive agenda. Uh, I guess the proof will be in the pudding whether there's you know support to to you know make some of these things happen. And also, uh, but you know it would seem, and, and just to mm -hmm. uh, you know jump in here, but it would seem by virtue of the fact of the results that there is support to make these kinds of changes. Sure. 
You I agree? Know. Absolutely. And people, I mean, I think people know that they've got to do some different kinds of things mm -hmm. now than previously. I mean, people are concerned about, you know, COVID. I got you. It's gone away and everybody is thinking it's gone away. It's not. It's yeah. just been quietly <laughs> seeping right. through, you know. And I think that in the minority community, the fact that the eviction rates are, mm -hmm. you know, terribly high, um, you know, we've got some serious, we got came out of it worse mm -hmm. than anybody, right. let's just put it that Does way. Does she still have, she, she had strong support in the, uh, you know, black community and, you know, communities of color, she still have that? I think so, but people will be looking really closely. It's I, I just don't think it's enough to just appoint uh, uh, folks of color in high positions. It's mm -hmm. what they do, and and that's what Tanisha um, basically said. So folks will be looking to see, you know, what they do. It's not just because you're, you know, I mean, people appreciate that. Don't get me wrong, mm -hmm. you know, but for a minute when a lot of stuff was happening, folks were saying, well, where is Michael Cox? How come he isn't out? Now, he may do some things different than everyone else. So people need to look at change for what it is, that it's not going mm -hmm. to be the same old, same old. And that's a good thing. Yeah. Well, and I, we've got just a few minutes left, and I, I got to ask you about, yeah. of course, what happened uh, in Memphis. It's it what uh, you know, a horrendous tragedy. Uh, you know, uh, uh, five at five currently uh, officers uh, under uh, indictment for murder for for beating Tyree Nichols to death, and uh, and the fact that it was on camera makes it mm. just that much more. Um, there wasn't the same response this time as there was after the George Floyd incident, and I'm, you know, I mean, there was, you know, some demonstrations, but certainly not, you know, the kind of damage that there was after after that. And uh, what what do you attribute that to? Well, what? I don't want to think people are getting used to this. Well, that's no, a, that's you a, know, yeah. I mean, I I think that you know, as a, a mother. Um, you know, when I saw, I had to look at it two or three times, and after that, you know, um, you know, my stomach turned at, you know, what happened. I think that they put these guys on, uh, you know, another uh, format, running around with, the, you know, getting the gangsters and the gangbangers off, and that I think that they just got, you know, so seasoned by that it was just awful it was so unnecessary and why they only got second degree murder instead of first is beyond me yeah. and i don't care if they're blue with green yeah. stripes there's a culture everywhere it's heavier in some places than others but it something's got to be done about it now I don't know whether it's the passage of the George uh, for a uh, George um, Floyd Floyd um, law. Uh, I think that might need to be tweaked now in light of all of this. Um, but I think that um, we have to stop this. This is 
it's getting too ridiculous now. Um, and, you know, black men who we worked hard to get into the police force doing, and that's what I'm saying about well, the I know, yeah, I did for, for years and years. I know. That was a priority. It makes it that much more disappointing. doesn't even yeah. uh, cover it. Yeah. But, uh, um, with the appointment of Michael Cox, and wanted to talk about it here. He oh, was yeah. beaten by fellow officers, mistakenly beaten, uh, according to uh, police back then. Now it's going back 20, almost 30 years ago, and uh, end up you know, having to sue the department in order to get justice. Sure. But does that reassure you that something, knows. Like, something like that is less likely or to never, happen here? Will never happen here. Who I, knows? I can never say never, but uh, uh, you comfortable with uh, I don't trust uh, the, the system. The, uh, uh, you know, what he's been saying in terms of... Well, let's just say... We're talking about the police commissioner. Right. Of anybody I, that I understand. Know the proof is in the pudding. Right. I know I'm, I keep saying these adages, but it really is. Um, we need to get better into, you know, community policing. You know, we've got 12 and 13-year-olds with guns right. shooting each other. You know, I, I read the Kevin Cullen column, and my God... The six, a 16-year-old boy was the getaway driver, and the 12-year-old had a, a gun in his, uh, and, and the 13-year-old uh, kid was, was killed. I mean, uh, we got to do something yeah, different here. Yeah, yeah. This can't keep going yeah. on. So there are some areas where he needs to um, focus on, because, you know, people are getting a little tired of folks yeah. saying, well, the homicide rate here is down 20% of yet, right. but in our community it is not. So he knows what to do. He's, you know, yeah. the fact that he's... You're hopeful? Yeah. Well, I'm hopeful for him because I appreciate him. Yeah. I appreciate that he's taken the reins and there's, you know, something to be said about, you know, um, coming back um, a champion uh, after going through what he yeah. went through. Um, but we got to get to work, yep. uh, and we got to get to work with the 12 and 13 year olds because that's where it well, is that's now. That's incredible. I mean, those are uh, that's where it's it is. very uh, scary. Some of the things that we're hearing about a six year old with a loaded gun, and and uh, I like the idea, to be honest with you, of police around the school zones. Yep. Because yep. everybody should not have to go through. Uh, yeah, and and uh, counselor. Murphy that was just here was saying roughly the same thing, so maybe there's some unanimity of thought. Unfortunately, we're out of time for tonight. Okay. Joyce Farabaugh, right. as Thank always, you. I love having Thank you, you on. Thank love you. talking with you. You're watching Talk to the Neighbors here on the Boston Neighborhood Network and also on WBCA Radio. We're here tonight and every Thursday night at the same time. We'll be back next week. Until then, for the entire staff and crew here at BNN Media, I want to thank you for watching. Have a pleasant evening. Good night.